Our next passage of Scripture comes from the Acts of the Apostles. I'll be reading from the ninth chapter, verses 36 through 43. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple whose name was Tabitha, which in Greek is Dorcas. She was devoted to good works and acts of charity. At that time, she became ill and died. When they had washed her, they laid her in a room upstairs. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples who heard that Peter was there sent two men to him with the request, Please come to us without delay. So Peter got up and went with them, and when he arrived, they took him to the room upstairs. All the widows stood beside him, weeping and showing tunics and other clothing that Dorcas had made while she was with them. Peter put them all outside, and then he knelt down and prayed. He turned to the body and said, Tabitha, get up. Then she opened her eyes, and seeing Peter, she sat up. He gave her his hand and helped her up. Then calling the saints and widows, he showed her to be alive. This became known throughout Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Meanwhile, he stayed in Joppa for some time with a certain Simon, a tanner. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I'm always appreciative when the lectioner, though... Uh, those who put together our revised common lectionary uh, make it convenient that on a day, a special day like this being Mother's Day, that we have a story uh, that involves a, a saintly woman uh, in the scripture. Uh, it gave me the opportunity to think about my own mother, who has uh, been gone now a few years, about the ways that she was vital in my upbringing. Uh, I didn't think about that every day when I uh, followed uh, her directions, when I did the things that she asked me to do and directed me to do, when she sent me off to school, when she welcomed me home, when she prepared meals for the family, when she did all those acts of loving. I didn't think about that at the day. But now, uh, even in the years since her passing, I remember her, her wonderful acts of kindness and love that she showed in the home. And so this opportunity to, to hear a story uh, like Tabitha, who meant so much to so many, uh, gave me opportunity to reflect in an even deeper way this week. Today's text, uh, coming from chapter 9 uh, in the Acts of the Apostles, uh, begins uh, with the conversion of Saul, the, the persecutor of Christians, and on his way to, the, uh, to Damascus uh, with authority to persecute even more Christians, uh, Saul is, uh, is converted. Uh, he is confronted by Jesus, uh, and uh, following his conversion experience uh, in a number of years of, of being shaped in Christian thought and practice, uh, the Acts of the Apostles tells us that uh, Saul, now Paul, who will become an apostle, uh, begins his ministry and uh, works with churches north of Damascus, including the areas of, of uh, Syria, excuse me, north of Jerusalem, including the areas of Damascus and Syria. And so uh, that early part of chapter 9 tells us that story. Uh, it also, uh, before the, the text I read to you this morning, we have uh, Peter uh, in ministry. Uh, the text uh, tells us that Peter, prior to responding to the request to go to where Tabitha uh, had passed away, Peter was in ministry, kind of a parallel ministry going on, it sounds like, with uh, Paul up in the northern parts, uh, uh, Syria and Damascus, and Peter in the area of, of Lydda, 
uh, and Peter is performing uh, healing miracles. Uh, he actually helps uh, or commands a bedridden man, a paralytic, if you will, to rise. And so word of Peter's uh, works that are glorifying Christ are spreading throughout the land. Uh, and so our text picks up today the, uh, the people of Joppa who, who solely miss their dear friend, uh, Tabitha. Uh, Tabitha, whose Greek name is Dorcas. You know, I was always fascinated by that name. I've been in churches where there's been a Dorcas Sunday school class. And it takes a little bit of trivia to dig into, well, who is Dorcas? Why is there a Sunday school class named Dorcas? And friends, here's your example. Dorcas is the Greek name Tabitha. In English, the name would actually be Gazelle. Uh, so that's kind of an interesting tidbit for you on this Mother's Day. Uh, Tabitha, Dorcas, Gazelle, all those the same name of this fine, saintly Christian woman devoted to, to acts of charity and generosity in her community. Uh, but Peter uh, is in Lydda, the town folk in Joppa uh, nearby. Uh, know that Peter is there. And you know what's puzzling? All the people want, for some reason, and, and, and it's kind of left to interpretation or how you want to think about it, for some reason they just want Peter to come. They don't send a request to come and try to heal Tabitha. They don't put any kind of expectations. They just want Peter to be present with them, apparently, in their mourning, in their celebration of Tabitha's life. And so Peter, uh, much like uh, the one whom he follows, Jesus the Christ, responds uh, and comes to Joppa. Now, Joppa is an important uh, seaside town. Uh, today, it's, it's actually a suburb of modern-day Tel Aviv uh, to kind of get you oriented uh, there on the coastline. Uh, so Peter comes to Joppa, and the first thing Peter does uh, is to go to where Tabitha is lying, where her friends have prepared her body in death. And so Peter goes into the room, and he sees uh, these very... Uh, uh, faithful, at least some of them, I say some of them, some of the, uh, the mourners are, are her friends, I believe, and, and loved ones. Here's, here's why I say at least some of them, because friends in that day, uh, one of the things that uh, happened uh, as a part of mourning, just in case nobody came, there would be professional mourners, uh, women who would come uh, as part of their vocation, who would come and be present. They may not even know the deceased person, but they would come and at least be a presence for the family. They would do the weeping and the wailing for a prescribed amount of time, and then their job was over, and they would go on to their next assignment. So at least some of the women present in this room with Tabitha's body are her friends because they want to show Peter some of the work that Tabitha did. The Scripture tells us that Tabitha is a widow, uh, so she has had a relationship. She's been married. We don't know on this Mother's Day if she actually... Uh, uh, brought any children into the world, but her work is being celebrated through these friends who show Peter these tunics, these, these garments, these robes that Tabitha has been a part of creating. You see, one of the things that widows did for the early church was to create clothing for other widows and orphans, for people who didn't have or couldn't afford or couldn't, couldn't get their hands on. So, so it's interesting. I love it because here is... Uh, Tabitha being remembered in her death for something she was doing, these acts of kindness and generosity, something she did in life, her life is being celebrated. It reminds me that, that God can work through our actions. God can, can work and still works through our words and the things that we do for people and with people. They have a lasting effect, if you will consider that. And so here we have Peter, 
Again, he hasn't been asked, apparently, according to the, the scriptural story, he hasn't been asked to try to heal uh, Tabitha. They just want him there. He goes up. And so here's some possibilities I want us to consider. Uh, one of the things that Peter does is he clears the room. He wants everybody out of the room. Now, you can interpret that different ways, but what I would like to think is, is Peter needed to have people with the right mindset for what he's going to attempt to do, or maybe what Peter believes he's getting ready to do. Because remember, he is a follower of Jesus Christ. And much like he saw Jesus, whom Peter walked the countryside with, much like he probably witnessed Jesus when Jesus went to heal Jairus' daughter and Jesus cleared everybody out of the room, Peter does the same thing. He has everybody leave the room. He wants people who are prepared to receive. He wants people who kind of have that, that mindset, the heart ready to be faithful. Now, I don't try to diminish the faithful followers that are celebrating Tabitha's life, but Peter does clear the room so that he can continue the work of Jesus. Let's pause just a moment. How many of you either saw the early 1980s movie or read the 1979 book, The Right Stuff? The book, yeah, I see several of, a lot of us with the grayer hair, <laughs> that was a, a, a movie or a book that we read back in the day, and you might still catch that. But that, that whole story dealt with, a, uh, with aeronautical research. It dealt with a group of test pilots, if you will, uh, that, that put their lives on the line uh, to, to advance uh, research, to advance society. To, they brought together all the best things they could offer. They had, as the movie says, they had the right stuff. They had the right stuff. Peter had the right stuff. Apparently, Tabitha, Dorcas, Gazelle had the right stuff. She did the things that brought glory and honor to God through Jesus. She gave of herself, even as a widow. She, she changed people's lives. She, she touched the community in which she lived and served. She had the right stuff. I'd like to think my mom had the right stuff. I'd like to think that most mothers have the right stuff. God has given graces and talents. God has given presence and love, words and actions. God's given the right stuff so that we can make this world a different place. Even when we are rendered silent, death, sickness, God can be shown alive, powerful through what we have brought the world thus far. And if we're brought back to life, in a miracle such as Peter raising Tabitha, God is even more glorified. But if we go to our graves, then God is not silent, silenced in that death. If we have lived with the right stuff. The followers of Jesus have the right stuff. The question is, how are we living our lives? Are we living as people with the right stuff? Or are we waiting? Are we waiting for the lightning bolt? Are we waiting for the, the booming voice that calls you out of your wilderness, that calls you out of your deathbed, that calls you out of your grave? Or are we waiting for that? Or do we believe that God is equipping us 
with the right stuff. Douglas Manor, uh, when this story occurred, was 15 years of age. He lived in Missouri, and, and he thought he had a, a, a cold. It just, it just wouldn't go away, and so finally he was placed in the hospital for some testing, and, and the doctors brought a devastating diagnosis. Young Douglas was told he had leukemia. Some of you have, or your families have been touched by that disease, and and the doctors were quite frank. He faced at least three years of ongoing chemotherapy at the time. And while that was not the best diagnosis, it sent young Douglas into a time of despair. While he was in the hospital, people tried to encourage him, people tried to uplift him. His aunt, who told the story, actually sent a, a, an arrangement of flowers. She wrote out a card to encourage him and and when Douglas was reading her card, he found that, that there was another card in that same arrangement. And it said something like this. Douglas, my name is Laura Bradley. I was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of seven. I'm now 22. Remember that God is in control. My best regards. I work at the floral shop. And it was those words of somebody who was just acknowledging that they had been on a similar journey that made a difference to young Douglas. You see, we have gifts and graces that God has given us. We have the right stuff. But are we willing to share the right stuff? Are we willing to give the right stuff? Are we willing to be a part of the right stuff in this world? Peter was faithful. Perhaps that's why they summoned him to come to Joppa to be with their friend Tabitha. Peter was faithful, and, and while at the time the, the normal acknowledged way that the, that the Jewish faithful would pray would be to be standing upright with head turned toward the heavens with arms and hands outstretched, what did Peter do? He followed the example of his Lord who knelt in prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter, the Scripture tells us, knelt by Tabitha's bedside. Friends, we have the right stuff. We have the best example ever in the world of who to follow. We are invited, we are called to be part of God's faithful. Tim Gustafson tells about a story of a grandmother from Burundi. The grandmother had two pictures, the story says. One picture was of her daughter and one picture of her grandson. This visitor came one day, saw the pictures, and, and with tear-filled eyes, this grandmother said, my daughter died giving birth to my grandson. The visitor said, I lost my daughter too. I know. I know. She was indicating to this grieving grandmother that she had felt that pain and that somehow she knew she could be a part of the presence of remembering and celebrating. You know, so often we try to fix other people. We want to fix you. We want to tell you what you need to do. And maybe these simple words of this visitor, I know, I know. Maybe that's all we need to say. Maybe that's the way we can be present without trying to tell someone they need to get their, their boots back on. Pull yourself up with your bootstraps. Go see a doctor. Get some medicine. Maybe all we need to do and be is to say, I know. 
You see, God knows. God sent His Son into this world so that the pains of the world would not just rest on His shoulder, but give us hope because we can believe that God knows. I know what you're going through, and I want you to know that you don't have to be by yourself. My Son is with you, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, you can feel that presence. You can have the right stuff. We as a church, we as a people, we as individuals have a lot to do, a a lot to live, most of us. We have days, weeks, months, years ahead of us for some. And we've been given the right stuff. This week, we were given a baton. Oh my. This is not just any ordinary baton. You know, in a in a track meet, some of you are, have been around track. You've run track yourself. You have friends or family that have been track members. You know that in a track meet, when there's a relay, it takes the right stuff. You just don't get to come out of the student body or the population and run this relay. The coaches, the, the ones who put the teams together are looking for qualified runners, right? To, 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 to be able to effectively pass the baton, to have the right stuff. And so this week... We receive this baton with encouragement to allow our church to see us as a part of a race. To remember that we are all part of this team. We all have the right stuff. But you know, in a few weeks, your next pastor's coming. And it will be time for us to pass the baton. And friends, I want to tell you that Reverend Cassie Wade, the next pastor of this church, has the right stuff. She has the right stuff to pastor this church into its great future that God has given us. You know, the district superintendent asked if he could quote me because when I learned I was transitioning, when I was going to be the next pastor at Floral Heights, before he could say anything else about my new appointment, I said something like this. Who are you going to send to Decatur? Is it Cassie Wade? And he looked at me as if I could read minds, as if I had a crystal ball, and he said, well, why would you say that? And I said, I didn't say because she had the right stuff, but that is why I said that. Because she has the right stuff, friends. This baton, you will see this in the coming weeks. It will remain up here on the Lord's table for all to see and to be reminded that we are running a race for God. And that all of us have the right stuff to encourage and to make this transition a success. Cassie has the right stuff, and you do too. I was reading a story Dave Brandon told about losing his 17-year-old daughter in a car accident. It's got to be crushing. Got to be crushing. And Dave Gustafson said, you know, I could could be bogged down in grief. I played the what-if game, he said. You know, what if I, what could I have done to ensure my daughter getting home safely that night? And he said, if I chose to live in the what-if world, I would continue to grieve and spiral into despair, to feel out of control. But he said, I chose to live in the what-is world. The what-is world that includes acknowledging that we have the right stuff. The right stuff to make a difference in other people's lives, to make a difference in our community, in our world. God has given us the right stuff. God sends people into our lives to remind us of this. God sends God's Spirit to give us power and to equip us, to get us out of those dark places, to remind us that it is God's beacon of hope, love, light that we walk and journey into. 
you have the right stuff. And I hope you choose to be a part of the what is and not the what if. The what is as God has called us to reach out and to help people, to love people, to include them in the ministries of the church, to, to welcome them, to be a part of faithful discipleship. That's what it means to have the right stuff. In just a minute, we're going to come to the table. The table that is another bit of evidence, if you will, that God loves us and God is equipping us and reminding us that we are a part of the right stuff. So I hope and I pray that you choose to accept God's gifts and graces that He's given you and that you in this Mother's Day might see yourself as a part of this ever-growing, ever-increasing, and hopefully widespread and wild-growing love, this blanket of love that God has given us so that we share that with all people all over this world. Acknowledge that you have the right stuff and give the mothers, the biological mothers, your blood kin mothers, but all the mothers, give them a hug and tell them thank you today. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit. Amen.